Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. So we're uh, in the Torah study. We just last week started uh, our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, This week uh, is part two in Deuteronomy 3 through Deuteronomy 7. Uh, And uh, this is perhaps uh, one of the most important Torah studies in all of uh, the Torah, the Humash, the five books of Moses. Uh, And... Uh, It's really a continuation of what we got into last week about uh, an understanding uh, of the law, and we'll get into some of that a little bit more, Uh, but uh, Moses is challenging the people to follow the ways of God. Don't follow the ways of the world. 3,500 years later, there's still that command out there. Don't follow the ways of the world. If you see the world doing it one way, do a 180, right? Amen. Amen. And so he's reviewing Israel's history in Deuteronomy. And he's kind of pointing out where they blew it (laughs) in a nice way. Constructive criticism is a good thing, right? Uh, we don't want to be jamming people and like I used to do in my old husband days. <laughs> Tell my wife everything she's doing wrong. It was criticism, but very, not very constructive. And so uh, it is for us today, and Moses teaches us that. Uh, he does a uh, kind of third persons, you know, let's, let's not, you know, take a chill pill when you're criticizing and don't go uh, uh, off on it. But he also is comparing what God is doing with Israel to other religions. Egypt had a religion. Pharaoh had a, Pharaoh was the God. How did that work out? Yep, so, you know, people may try to, and even nowadays you see uh, Christian, prominent Christians, authors that have written successful books, praise and worship leaders that have uh, written great, great worship songs. All of a sudden, you read like in Charisma, they're renouncing their faith or they're changing their views where all of a sudden forbidden lifestyles are okay with them and they want to make a shift and have you join them. Don't do that. Don't follow those voices, right? Amen. Uh, because there's nothing as uh, good as serving the good and holy and righteous God and all the things that he lays out in the word. And so he reminds Israel, look, Israel, uh, you came through a lot. You were slaves in bondage for all those hundreds of years. Uh, God brought you out through the ten plagues and most, all of the plagues except the last one you were exempt from. So he could see the difference. Choose ye this day which sides you're going to choose. I want to choose the losing side or I want to choose the winning side. Who chooses the winning side? 
And he reminds them about the revelation at Mount Sinai uh, where the whole nation heard. Wasn't just one, Moses wasn't the only one that heard the revelation of the Ten Commandments contrary to Charlton Heston. Right? Uh, uh, The Bible says it was a national revelation. Whatever number of Jews there were, they all heard it, and some say they saw it. You know, you think we got a nice LED wall. Imagine at Mount Sinai on the heavens, God shows them their history and their destiny on the panoramic view of the heavens and showing them all the commandments and laying it all out. They all heard. Uh, Which is why it stuck for 3,500 years and why the Jews haven't given up. That That made quite an impact. Right? If you were in that number, then it made quite an impact on you, and you would be teaching your children well. Right? And uh, uh, the closest thing we have to that today maybe is a movie like The Passion, where uh, your family can watch together on the big screen what Jesus Christ, our Lamb of God, our Messiah, did for us. And if that doesn't impact your heart, you need a heart transplant. <laughs> and so there's all of these and including the Shema Moses gives the Shema the greatest declaration of faith in uh, Judaism in this week's Torah study and I put together this uh, uh, handout on the Shema and uh, you can uh, get that in the back there and put it in your Bible read up on it and it'll bless you So uh, as we got into this last week, um, we realized that the book of Deuteronomy is really Moses' teaching, and uh, what God told Moses mostly happened in the first four books, and now Moses is giving his farewell speech they're on uh, over there near Mount Nebo on the other side of the Jordan, in the Jordan side. How many of you have been to Jordan? You've been down to Petra maybe and so on. And But when you go down uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and you hang a right towards the Dead Sea, who's done that? And uh, over across the Dead Sea, you see Mount Nebo and the mountain range. That's all Jordan. That's where Israel was in camp when Moses wrote this. And uh, it was the last uh, few weeks of his life. Uh, and uh, it was called, back then and even now in Judaism, the Mishnah Torah. The, the repetition of the Torah. The review of the Torah. That's what the name Deuteronomy means. Deuteronomy, Deuteros in Greek, uh, means second. And uh, 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 nomos, Deuteronomy, nomos, Deuteros, nomos, nomos means law. Second law, the repetition of the law, the, the reteaching of the laws of God. And so this is what's going on in Deuteronomy. Now, most Christians are raised with a negative understanding of nomos. 
the law, Deuteronomy, the law. Uh, We believe that our foundations and our salvation history begins in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And hallelujah, that was a great new chapter, and we're living under that these days. Uh, But uh, breaking news, the Bible starts in Genesis. That was the inspired word, it is the inspired word, and it will always be the inspired word of God, even though when you get raised up in traditional Christianity, it's like we're mad at all of that. Somebody get the spiritual bulldozer and let's bulldoze all of that lost stuff into the annals of history and forget about it. You sound like a socialist Marxist. (laughs) That's what they want to do. Strange bedfellows. But the Old Testament, as we know, is inspired and always meant to play an important role in our Judeo-Christian understanding of the Word of God. Amen? Uh, When when I uh, got saved, I immediately enrolled into Bible college. And our Bible, uh, one of our Bible instructors would always use this phrase, the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Right? Isn't that something? Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 13, 52, he said something very similar in Matthew. Go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew and mark this, Matthew 13, 52. Now in the New King James and a lot of the translations, it, it, it's a little bit uh, uh, concealed instead of revealed. So I'll read it out of the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, Then Jesus added, Those experts in Jewish law, law, nomos, law, who are now my disciples, have double treasures from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Right? So you and I, in studying our Jewish roots, we're not going back into some kind of legalism. We're going into double treasures. Amen. Because we have both the old and the new. Sorry for all those that are just New Testament. That'll get you into heaven and that's good enough to live a victorious Christian life. But how many of you want to keep growing in the Lord? Keep learning more about the things of God? Studying more to show yourself approved? Or do you just want a third grade education? I just want the Hanna-Barbera version of the gospel. I just want the Bugs Bunny version, right? The cartoon version. I don't want the college education. No, man, from the beginning that I got saved, are you like this too? From the moment I got saved, feed me, feed me, feed me. Spiritually. Amen. And so uh, all of this is so important for us to understand because, uh, and it's in pastor's book, that's just uh, coming out, uh, The Seven Living Prophecies. It'll be in the bookstore this week. We don't have it uh, available yet. I got the first two copies. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, the Avos copies. 
but and pastor teaches a lot on this, it challenges the traditional church view of what's called replacement theology. Who's ever heard of replacement theology? See, you are college students. <laughs> and, uh, and so replacement theology essentially says that the, um, uh, the Jews blew their chance with God. And now Christians have replaced the Jews. And since Jesus has come, any promise that God made to the Jews is now abolished and nullified and has been transferred over to the Christians, so the Jews are just out of luck. Sorry. Uh, But maybe you want to have us preach the gospel to you. On the one hand, we're saying you're out of luck. (laughs) But now we want to preach the gospel to you. Let's insult you and then preach the gospel to you. Boy, that'll work. That's a great strategy. But, you know, I mean, centuries have gone by and replacement theology is still alive and well. And Pastor deals with it in the book and just does it phenomenally. He was on television, uh, excuse me, on Skype, did a Skype interview with the Jim Baker show with Lori Baker and the the kids. And uh, boy, I was so impressed with uh, the Baker's hunger for the things of God. I had always kind of wondered, well, you know, the Bakers and all that stuff way back when. But man, they were like asking questions that were just like good questions. It was like, you know, feed us, pastor, teach us. And of course, their audience loves Israel. And so it just turned out to be, you know, we were just supposed to be on for a half hour, two hours later, nonstop. <laughs> they kept it rolling, and so who knows how many shows they'll make out of it, but uh, they love the teaching, we love the teaching, and it's good teaching, and part of it has to do with we haven't replaced the Jews. We're supposed to be grafted in. God didn't come to terminate, he came to continue. Uh, what was begun in uh, the uh, Old Testament. So a lot of that is all man's tradition. Like some of you today in man's tradition and church tradition, you're going to burn in hell. You, you wore pants, women. You wore pants to church. In some Christian denominations, that means you will suffer in hell for all of eternity. How many of you are buying into that doctrine? No, come on. Yeah, what other ways can I go to hell? (laughs) Makeup, jewelry, you know. The list goes on. Man-made doctrine, right? Replacing the Word of God. That's meant to nullify the power of the Word of God. So religion... Uh, is uh, good, but uh, be careful uh, what you take, hook, line, and sinker, right? So uh, Paul had something to say about all of this in Romans 3. Turn with me to Romans 3. And uh, in uh, verses 1 and 2, I chose uh, to read it out of the Passion Translation, but many good translations. Uh, Paul's teaching on this, and he says, So then, what is the importance of circumcision? And what advantage is there of being a Jew? Now, if Paul 
believed in replacement theology, he wouldn't have said what he said next. Actually, there are numerous advantages of being a Jew. Now, if he believed in replacement theology, he sure missed a golden opportunity to teach us what replacement theology is all about. But rather than saying there's no advantage, he's saying there's numerous advantages of being Jewish. Most important, God distinguishes the Jews from all other people by entrusting them with the revelation of his prophetic promises. The oracles, the prophetic promises. And look, through the ages, there's been many leaders in the synagogue, many leaders in the church, who have taken this responsibility of preserving the integrity and true meaning of the Bible serious. Some wanted to rewrite the Bible. Can you imagine in today's day and age, they want to rewrite American history? And just try to tell us that America is just the scum nation of the earth. No. No. Did we do everything right? Absolutely not. We did a lot of things wrong and we need to repent of those things. And mostly in the church. The church needs to lead the way on racial things. Right? We're the ones that need to be proclaiming one cross for all colors. Right? We're the ones that there's just one family of God. There's not at the other side of the tracks in the kingdom of God, right? Your neighborhood and our neighborhood in the kingdom. No, we're all family. And we're all going to gather before the throne of God. And there'll be no social distancing. And if you have a problem with that, you can always uh, reject all of that and go to the other side. I don't recommend that. Because the way of the wicked is a hard, hard way. And the end of the way of the wicked is going to be devastatingly bad. Right? So, God gave these revelations to keep people connected with Him spiritually. Keep hope alive. Someone appropriated that. They religiously appropriated keep hope alive. (laughs) Moses emphasizes this in today's study in Deuteronomy 4, verse 6. If you have your Bible, turn over there. Now, I'm going to read out of the Hebrew Bible, the Humash, uh, which... uh, uh, is a really good translation. How many of you have the, the blue humash, the first five books? Paulus sells it, and you should study that. If you want to go beyond uh, a grade school education, you need a humash. <clears throat> and verse uh, Deuteronomy 4, 6 says, this is Moses Stir in Israel up in their most holy faith. You shall safeguard and perform them. What is the them? The Ten Commandments, and by extension, the 613 commandments. Israel, you shall safeguard and perform them. For it is your wisdom and discernment in the eyes of the peoples 
who shall hear all these decrees and who shall say, he's talking about other nations, Gentile nations are going to see you keeping the commandments and all the wisdom and discernment that it brings as you follow God's ways. And in their eyes, they're going to say, surely a wise and discerning people is this great nation. That's been America's story, right? And now all of a sudden you got a crowd, the Antichrist crowd, that's trying to tear down Judeo-Christian history. Wonder what they want to replace it with. They never tell you that part, do they? If you thought it was a Green New Deal, it's an algae Green New Deal. (laughs) Right? And then it goes on from there. Uh, And we could read all of that, read uh, through verse 10. But all of these uh, uh, verses document the amazing grace of God's covenant with Israel. And it describes the affection that God has had for Israel for all of these hundreds and even thousands of years. 3,500 years ago and still counting, God loves Israel. It's about time the church catches up to God's feelings about Israel. New Beginnings has caught up to that. And we love Israel and love the Jewish people. And we want to tear down all of these walls that divide, right? So... What God gave when he did all of this is he gave Israel Torah or Bible ideals, a value system. Yeah, they were in the form of laws, but if you look at America's legal system, all of our laws, our laws are supposed to reflect what a society believes, what we stand for. And... You know, we could pick on a lot of topics, but just that whole idea of live birth abortions. You know, I hate to get everybody stirred up at 9.30 in the morning, but there's a reason that Christians look at these things as murder. But the Antichrist crowd that wants to tear us down and take over power, they want us to believe that that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. That's a woman's health issue. Well, yeah, it might be a woman's health issue, but what about the baby? How healthy is that for the baby? Not very healthy when you're dead. And then it gets really gross from there when you learn about uh, all of the uh, what they do afterwards, uh, and they're selling. The, the, you know, I'm sorry if I'm being too explicit. And and then and then. The secular government wants to criminalize the guys that get it all on tape. I went secretly into the Planned Parenthood, got it all on tape. Here it is. You think everybody's, oh my gosh, I'm appalled. Let's stop that. But no, they send the police out to arrest and charge the guys with the cameras trying to expose what's been hidden and make them the villain and the criminal. And uh, it goes on and on and on. But as for you and me, you know, we want Judeo-Christian values. And we want to elect 
people and have our school boards and have uh, all of the uh, main uh, uh, areas of power in our nation reflecting our values. You know, I don't want to pick on people that have chosen another lifestyle, but I've got a little two-month-old grandson. And I don't want some secular, humanist, socialist, Marxist teacher teaching my little grandson that he might be a girl. I'm just saying. So we need laws. And they need to be based on the Bible starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation. Amen. The alternative is their laws. And if you want to see what their laws look like uh, at the uh, most ultimate, uh, stick around for the tribulation. (laughs) No thanks. I'm not going to be left behind for that insanity and madness. But we're already seeing a taste of it. Right? So, when we study the Torah, we need to look at the Ten Commandments. I can't believe certain pastors that have churches of 10,000 people still preaching today do not follow the Ten Commandments. What, are you crazy? You sound like you're part of the AOC crowd. (laughs) You you ought to join the the left wing of the Democratic Party. And you're a Christian pastor. (laughs) Right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. God's principles and values and guidelines all the way back to Mount Sinai are the gold standard. Man, that's your platinum standard, right? And anything else is uh, bad. And it's not legalism. Why do we think it's legalism to follow God's laws? Why is that legalistic? We're not trying to uh, become citizens of heaven by following God's laws. We're just trying to become better citizens. I wish Antifa would follow that. (laughs) That's why they call it law and order. It doesn't offend me to hear a politician say, I'm a law and order politician. What's the alternative? (laughs) Disorder and social chaos. That's what we want more of. But the type of laws a nation enacts tells us a lot about its morality and integrity. So God gave us the Torah so that man could have a standard by how to regulate how they act, how they behave. How, what, what's your attitude? Does it line up with the Bible or does it line up with the flesh? Right? So we have that uh, in our favor. Over the past 50 years, America is, has started to swing to being secular humanist. And the church has been helping them. 
We're trying to push the Ten Commandments out of the church, and people are locking arms with Marxists who are trying to push the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom, out of the schools. What kid wouldn't benefit by uh, learning thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not gossip, thou shalt not murder? Yeah, what's, what's wrong with that again? What's the alternative? So if you're a Christian, you probably were trained up to feel that, well, I don't have to be under the law. Because Jesus abolished the law. And if that's what you feel like, you're going to love the Antichrist crowd. (laughs) Right? Because to them, they want to abolish it too. They don't want freedom of religion. They don't want freedom of speech. They don't want freedom to assemble in a church. They don't want freedom of worship. They don't want uh, freedom to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Right? They want you to be in bondage to their philosophy and their ideology. Drink my Kool-Aid. Who's thirsty for their Kool-Aid? I don't see any hands. Looking back, you think about uh, Israel in bondage to Pharaoh. That w- that's what's going on, folks. The Pharaoh spirit, the Antichrist spirit is alive in every generation, and it's more alive now than ever as we see all these birth pangs. In Deuteronomy 4.20, Moses describes life under Pharaoh like living in an iron furnace. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. The iron furnace is talking about the unbelievable suffering the Jews endured at the hands of a godless, Bibleless, Torahless nation. And in the last days, the Antichrist, Satan, the false prophet, and all the rest, they're trying to birth us into a world that's kind of like it was for Israel in Egypt. No rights. All you Christians are the have-nots. It's a counterfeit world like I taught a few weeks ago. And it's going to be an iron furnace for those that are left behind. Thank God God has a new world plan for you and I that's governed by the Messiah. And here's more breaking news. Guess what laws will be in place under the rule of the Messiah in the 1,000-year reign of Christ and beyond. What rules do you think that, that the Lord is going to have in place in all the communities and cities and neighborhoods around planet Earth while uh, we're ruling and reigning? Uh, you think it might include the Ten Commandments? I dare say so. So... In the church, and especially in seminaries, we joke they're really not seminaries, they're cemeteries. They continue to this day to struggle with this idea of God's laws. 
And one of the scriptures uh, that I learned early on in my Bible college was out of John 1.17. You can turn over there. And uh, in most of the uh, uh, translations, uh, it it shows that there's a difference between the old and the new. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Well, it, it, I used to say amen too until I realized that in many Bibles, the word but is italicized. Whose Bible do you have, is it italicized? For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The but wasn't in the original manuscripts. It was added by man because man wanted to make a separation between Moses and Jesus. It's like, can you imagine in heaven, there's the Jesus side of town and the Moses side of town, and there's a rivalry. Jesus is the Hatfields and Moses is the McCoys. That's ludicrous to think, but we teach it. So that word, uh, uh, the but, the, was, was added to convey the idea that somehow Jesus and Moses are opposed to one another. But if you go to like the complete Jewish Bible, I, I included verse 16 for better context. This is from the complete Jewish Bible. Notice the difference. We have all received from his fullness, yes, grace upon grace. For the Torah was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. See, so there's, it's not like, oh, see, there, there, see, Moses was bad, but fortunately for Jesus, we now have grace and truth. No, uh, the truer translation is that both were the grace of God in manifestation, and Jesus and Moses like each other. <laughs> I've taught this before, the word Torah, which in... Our New Testament is always translated law. All the New uh, King James, New King, and most of the trans never translate the word law Torah because they can't the translate can't see the difference. There's a difference, and I'll explain it to you. There's a difference between nomos, deuteros nomos, second law nomos has two different meanings. And you've got to be a student of the word to know what the meanings are. And if you start digging into this and realizing uh, who's ever heard the, the phrase lost in translation, going from Hebrew to, to Greek to Latin to English, something got lost in translation. Maybe some of it was not the conspiracy theory uh, reason, but it could have been, maybe it was just an honest mistake. But that's, uh, this word law, a uh, word study in the word law is one of the most important studies you could ever do. Because in Christianity, we teach the word law. When we see the word law, we instantly think legalism. Where's my Mr. Yuck sticker? 
In Greek, the word for law, as we said, nomos. And the word law, that's the simplest explanation. But there's more to the story. In Greek, nomos describes legalism, which is that outward, mechanical, ritualistic attempt to make oneself righteous and holy before God. I'm going to do it on my own effort, legalism. The Jewish definition of nomos, law, is Torah. And Torah means, it's an archery term, and Torah means to hit the mark. So in a Jewish mindset, using the word law, Torah, means God's giving me something that I can hit the mark. But in the Greek definition, and as the leadership uh, of the church moved out of Jerusalem and out of Israel and into the middle, uh, uh, you know, uh, Turkey and the middle uh, into Europe and so forth, uh, uh, the definitions began to change. Gentiles started becoming more and more of the leaders and they began to adopt different views, man-made views. There are times in Scripture when the word nomos is supposed to communicate legalism. But there's times that it's not. And if you don't know the difference between when it's supposed to be talking about legalism and when it's supposed to be talking about a pathway of life and blessing and hitting them, if you don't know, then then you throw the baby out with the bathwater. For instance, in the book of Hebrews, nomos appears 14 times. And in every case, it means Torah, the pathway of life and blessing, hitting the mark. It never means legalism. But when we read it and we see as Christians, we have that knee-jerk reaction, right? We're just law, bad, abolished, nullified, canceled. But uh, it doesn't mean that in every case. And you have to know the difference. Rightly dividing. Ever heard that? So uh, here's a good example of this. Go with me to Romans 10.4. 10.4, good buddy. Do you got your ears on? It's one of the many examples of how things get mistranslated and it causes confusion to the point that pastors nowadays in certain uh, uh, pulpits say the Ten Commandments is abolished. Well, how did we get to that point? They'll point to this scripture. For Christ is the end of the law. There it is. What's your argument, Pastor Scott? Why are you blowing smoke and trying to confuse me? It says right there, Christ is the end of the law. How many Bible, how many of you have a Bible where it says that? Yep, couple hands, right? Most of us have been taught, this proves it, Old Testament abolished. And when you read the English translation, it's like, well, I mean, pretty obvious. Christ is the end of the law. It means it's finished, kaput abolished, negated, invalidated. Christ invalidated the law. 
But once again, uh, if you study deeper, you'll realize the word end, Christ is the end of the law, is mistranslated. That word in Greek is the word telos. T-E-L-O-S, telos. And it doesn't mean to end as in terminate. It means goal, purpose, and completion. So the true meaning of the scripture isn't that Christ ended the law, but rather that Christ is the goal of the law, the purpose of the law. If you read your complete Jewish Bible, it probably says it best. Although you, in the uh, Tree of Life Bible, it's very similar. Romans 10.4 should be understood as the goal at which the Torah aims is the Messiah. That all the Old Testament teachings and all the Old Testament prophecies Uh, the goal of which is to direct people down a pathway towards the Messiah. Why did they choose end? Christ ended the law. Why did they do that? Was it an accident? They were just having a bad day. Or, you know, was it a conspiracy? I guess when we get to heaven, we'll find out. Look, we know Yeshua and all the first century apostles, they never stopped being Jewish or honoring the Torah. Right? They didn't suddenly go from Torah observant believers to saying, well, we're not under that anymore. Have a ham sandwich. (laughs) Let's go to the Jewish deli and see if they got some kosher ham. (laughs) So you might ask yourself, How did this phrase, under the law, actually begin, and how does it rightly apply? And this is so helpful, because when you uh, research this diligently, you'll find that under the law uh, is a phrase restricted solely to the process of circumcision and conversion. That's all. It's all covered in Acts 15. Go turn your, uh, with me over to Acts 15. This is the Jerusalem Council. All the church leaders are Jewish. And a group comes in called the Circumcision Faction. And they come in because there's this big revival happening in Israel and Gentiles are getting saved by the hundreds. Man, there's revival. Philip had revival in Samaria. There's revival everywhere. And this group came in and says, the only way for these new converts to be fully accepted is they need to go through all the conversion process that we had to go through. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was leading the church... He and all the other apostles made a decision that instead of Gentiles now having to go through all the ritual conversion process of a Old Testament Jewish uh, uh, convert, that they were going to waive all of that. Amen. Amen. That's why we have baptism and not circumcision after an altar call. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, our new covenant faith says that the customary biblical requirements for Gentiles, much of it revolving around circumcision, all of that got waived. That's it. There's a new way to get born again. By faith. And then under the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, they were told in, in verse 19, Acts fifteen nineteen. this is James, in my judgment we should not add any unnecessary burden upon the non-Jewish converts who are turning to God. A grown man having to line up, get in this line for circumcision. The grown man, uh, I'll come back later. (laughs) Let me pray about it. (laughs) So that would have been an unnecessary burden because now we're having faith in the Messiah. We will go to them as apostles, it says in verse 20, and teach them to be set free from offering sacrifices to idols, sexual immorality, eating anything strangled or anything with blood. So he does give them a couple things to build on. Don't get, leave your idols, say goodbye to your idols, say goodbye to fooling around, and start putting some dietary restrictions on your life. So the Gentiles didn't have to become fully Jewish to be accepted into the family of God. Hallelujah. But get this. Jews didn't have to quit being Jewish either. And that's the rub. Nowadays, we want Jews to quit being Jewish to believe in Jesus. And, we just, and everybody's confused about that. So when the church fathers started uh, saying we're not under the law originally is we're not under the, the conversion laws that were in place up until that time. But then they took it to the nth degree. And pretty soon it morphed into we're not under any law. And it became more and more man-made doctrines. And the Old Testament and God's wisdom was virtually abolished. Jesus himself said he didn't come to put an end to the Torah in Matthew 5, 17. I didn't come to abolish the Torah. Don't get me wrong. Paul said in Romans 7, 12, the law is holy and the commandments are holy, righteous, and good. Paul's not schizophrenic here, right? He's having a bad day and he should have never wrote that. I want everyone to wipe that part of your Bible out right now. Get the white out. Bring the white out in, ushers. There's a phenomenal New Testament scripture to help put this all in perspective as we close. You need to turn over to 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. Great scripture. I'm going to read this out of the J.B. Phillips New Testament translation. Uh, Phillips uh, uh, was an English Bible scholar, a translator, an author, and a clergyman who wrote his own New Testament version. And it's fun to read some of that. You go into Bible Gateway, and they've got a whole list, and J.B. Phillips is in there. Listen to what, this is Paul speaking to young Pastor Timothy in verse 8. We know, of course, that the law is good in itself and has a legitimate function. Paul 
Why are you saying that? We're not under the law. Why are you saying that? You missed a golden opportunity to set us straight. It's because Paul knows the difference in nomos between legalism and God's law. God's laws aren't legalism. They're divine principles. Of course, we know that. And then it goes on, yet we also know that the law is not really meant for the good man, but the man who has neither principles nor self-control, for the man who is really wicked, who has neither scruples nor reverence. Yes, the law is directed against that sort of people who attack their own parents, who kill their fellows, who are sexually uncontrolled or perverted, or who traffic in the bodies of others. It's against liars and perjurers. In fact, it's against any and every action which contradicts the wholesome teaching of the glorious gospel which our blessed God has given and entrusted to me. Amen. Amen. So Paul's not condemning the law. He's saying we know the Torah is good, provided you use it the right way. And, uh, And so this is what New Beginnings believes. We, we don't follow God's divine principles to earn our way to heaven. We follow God's commandments and his laws to make us better citizens of heaven. Do you see the difference? We don't honor Veterans Day to become veterans. We honor Veterans Day uh, to become better citizens in appreciating what our veterans have done. And so all we need to know is that the Torah is means to hit the mark. It's, it's a pathway to blessing. It's not legalism. And Paul was in a real difficult situation trying to explain all of this. But uh, when you dig into it a little deeper, you think, Paul, you did a really good job. Well done. And so... Uh, we'll, we could go on and on in, in the examples and the teaching. I gave you three really good examples out of the New Testament to help you with that. Uh, let's just close in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll uh, head on over to uh, church with Pastor. Father, we bless you and thank you. You're a good and gracious Father, and your plans and purposes for us are nothing but good. Father, guide and direct our steps today. Guide us away from all the strife and all the division and all the hatred and direct us into the love of God and the love for people. Help us to be a blessing. Help us to make a difference. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Help us to be a light of the world too. We pray it in your precious name. Amen. Amen this morning. God bless you.